Welcome to C3 Hobart Online. We hope that you enjoy this message today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, make sure that you listen till the end to find out how. It's great to have you here. Can I just encourage what these guys are talking about here with our C3 Kids ministry? Don't hide it to yourself like it's some sort of little secret. That is an incredible outreach opportunity right there in itself. On Easter Sunday, we had 11 kids in our C3 Kids ministry give their life to Jesus. That's what this ministry is doing, what they're doing with all of this stuff here. It's not just about saying, we're here to babysit your kids. It's about going, we're going to tell them about Jesus. What you're doing in the big room, they're going to do in the little room, and they get to play fun games, and we don't. So I'm kind of thinking that's kind of cool in there. But it is awesome what that team is doing. And I just want to encourage you also, if, you know, if, if you've gone past that stage where, you know, well, I'm past kids now, I've done this sort of stuff, and you're just sort of sitting back, you know, on, on the fruits of what it is, then I want to encourage you is put up your hand and help in there once a term. Once a term. Four times in a year will make a massive difference to the leaders who are in there every single time because there is about 20 or 30 leaders in the 9 o'clock and about 20 or 30 leaders in the 11 o'clock who don't get the opportunity to be in here to worship, to hear the, the, the message spoken. So if we can spread that out a little bit for them, it helps everybody. So, hey, I'm going to read a scripture. We're going to get into the Bible today. I'm going to read a scripture to you. I've got a word for you. Um, I'm excited by this word because I think that I'm, there's going to be some truth bombs that we're going to drop that are going to hit people where they're at. And, uh, and it's always a challenging when I, when I get ready to preach these sort of ones. I, I sort of put it in the bottom drawer and I'm like, you know, I'll preach that one another time when I'm a little bit more bold to be able to do this. And, and then I feel God saying, well, no, get it back out. It's for today. And I'm like, no, nah, it's okay, God. I've got the microphone. And then he said, yeah, yeah, good one. He's in control, right? We're going to go to a scripture. It's found in John chapter 13. John chapter 13. It's going to come up on the screen in multiple translations. And I'm going to read it from the NLT. It says this. It says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. You love, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Heavenly Father, I just pray for this word. Lord God, I pray that it, be, it is your words. Heavenly Father, I pray that for every single person who has made the choice to come today, that Lord God, that these words will resonate, that ears will hear, that hearts will be open, Heavenly Father, in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, I want you to open it up. I want you to turn to this scripture, John chapter 13, 34 to 35. If you have a highlighter, highlight this scripture. If you have a pen, underline it. If you write notes next to it, whatever you want to do. In mine here, I've got written next to it. It is the most defining pastoral moment in the ministry of Jesus. That's what I believe about, uh, about this whole chapter, around this whole chapter. Actually, if you don't have a Bible... Can you go and see someone at the info desk afterwards? Because uh, it was February last year, we gave away about 600 Bibles over a period of time. And it was such a joy for us to be giving away Bibles that uh, we have just placed an order for another 400 because we want to get the, the Scripture into people's hands because the inside of this is truth and love. It reminds me of, of, of um, early in Jesus' ministry where he's in the desert and, and he's about to be put to the ultimate test where he will be tempted with power, position and provision. 
Man, we haven't gone very far in 2,000 years, have we? We're tempted by the same things. Power, position, and provision. And instead of trying to win an argument with the devil, instead of trying to give him his opinion back, instead of trying to do these things, do you know what Jesus does on all three occasions? He quotes Scripture. That's what he does. On all three occasions, he just quotes Scripture straight back to him. The devil says to him, I'm going to tempt you with this, or I'm going to put you in a trial with this. And Jesus has come straight back to him and says, here is the Scripture. Because in here is the truth, in here is the love. And it says at the end of it there, it says that when the devil couldn't win, he packed up his toys, it doesn't say that, but he packed up his toys and it says he went away. If you want the devil to go away from some of your hurdles that you got there, quote him some scripture back in his face. All right, let's get into this scripture. Challenge with such a powerful word like this is that if we don't, apply it is it is that we don't apply it sorry because we don't believe that we're equipped with the how we can give you the 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 why we can say that we're a church that's there to reach people on a journey of faith and build strong followers of the Christ but sometimes we see a scripture like this and we don't know how to actually do the how how do we do this how do we love one another as Christ love us and show that to other people how do we do these things So I'm going to give you four thoughts. They all start with A. Well, they actually didn't. Three of them started with A, and the fourth one started with something else. So I actually spent about four hours Googling in a thesaurus to come up with a fourth one that started with A, because apparently that makes me a better preacher. But anyway, yeah, makes me so much better preacher. So they all start with A. The first one is this. The first one is this, articulation. You like that word? Hey, that was my Google thesaurus word, articulation. Do you know what it means? Speak life. Speak life. The first step we can take in showing love for others is to have a little respect with our words. You guys ready for some truth bombs? Okay, we're going to go to the king of dropping truth bombs. We're going to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Come with me here, church. Dear brothers and sisters, starting verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. I so wish my mentors told me that before I became a pastor. (laughs) Verse 2. Indeed, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by, a, by the means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny speck can set a forest on fire. Verse 6, among all the body parts, listen to this, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a world, whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. This is not me saying this. This comes from Scripture. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. I'd love to know those dudes who are hung around James. Verse 9. Listen to this part. I want you to get this, church. Verse 9. Sometimes... It praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. 
So blessing and cursing comes out of the very same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. A little bit of a personal thing here in that I've got to tell you that I avoided reading James because I took offence at this scripture. I saw James as some high and mighty religious leader who was like throwing stones at Christians from afar, telling them what they were doing wrong. I mean, James was a dude who was like the half-brother of Jesus and he didn't even believe that he was the son of God until he rose again. I mean, who are you to throw these truth bombs at others? That was until I was talking one night to a colleague of mine in ambulance. We had been doing about six months together in our rotation and he knew I was a Christian and that I went to church. And then one night he started talking about church. And he said to me that for the last three or four weeks, he had been going to another church on the other side of town. This was in Sydney. I'm telling you, this was a big deal for this person. He was the last one that I thought would ever end up in church. What was more surprising was that he said he really liked what he saw inside, he felt loved, he felt cared for, and he felt really welcomed. Yet he said he walked away disappointed and confused because his impression was that inside they were praising the name of Jesus and they were speaking love to each other and asking him how their day was and everything was great inside. Yet when he saw these people on the outside, there was nothing of love came from their mouths. I worked with him for another four months and he never stepped foot inside of a church again. How we speak to each other, how we speak about others matters. In fact, you may be the only testimony of Jesus that someone may experience in their life. And so the way that you speak about others is going to matter. The way that you speak about others when they're not there is going to matter. Can I talk to all of us keyboard warriors, and I'm pointing fingers at myself, the way we write things about others matters because it's a form of speech now. And what we write about people can affect the way they receive it. This sits in my office. As you open the door, you have to see it. Because every morning when I walk in the door, I want to be reminded to speak life over our team, over those I come in contact with, over anybody who is in a pastoral meeting with me, over anybody I have, even no matter how bad I'm feeling, I want to be reminded that I need to speak life over them. I've been there, guys. I've been there. I was in a funk a while back. And in my opinion, everything and everyone sucked. And it was at this time that I was thankful that I had set up an accountable partner in my life. And I said to this accountable partner, I give you permission to speak into my life when you see something happening that you don't believe is right. And I knew I was in trouble because it only happens, it's the only time he ever buys me a coffee, to be totally honest. And this person knows who they are. But he said to me this, he said, the chances are that, is, that if what comes out of your mouth is mostly negative about people, it's not the people that have the problem, it's you. Second point is this, actions. Another A word, actions. 1 John 
Chapter 3, verses 16 to 19 says this, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. I spoke a few months back ago on a message that I called Dirty Feet. And it is based on a moment in the ministry of Jesus where he is about to, in the next couple of days, where he is about to go and be crucified on a cross for us. Yet at this time, when they're in an upper room with a meal, Jesus takes off his outer robes. He picks up a bowl of water that would have been sitting at the front door, used to wash people's hands in. He picks it up. He gets on his knees before his disciples and he starts washing the feet of his disciples. And let me tell you, the feet of those who lived in the Middle East when they were wearing their camel sandals were not as pristine as what your feet are today. They were dirty. Yet Jesus said, I love you so much that I'm going to demonstrate it to you by washing your dirty feet. Not just taking your jacket and putting it up because that's easy for me to do. Not just offering you a drink out of the fridge because that's easy for you to do. I'm not saying these things are bad, but what he did is he went above and beyond and he got on his knees. This was the King of Kings, the Messiah, the one who would come. He got on his knees and he washed the dirty feet of his disciples. The challenge with this verse, though, is that in isolation, it seems beyond anything that we could ever imagine that we're going to do. Let's be honest. Not many of us are going to die for someone else. Let's put that straight out there. Most of any of us will never be called to do that. Yet the scripture goes on in the very next verse and it says this. It says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or a sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, thanks Zach, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us what? Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. I've heard it said that words are important, but actions mean everything. Actions mean everything. I have two more thoughts, and I've asked the guys to come up here and join with me. I want you just to not think about what you're doing at lunchtime. If you're on the host team or one of our great teams that serve, I want you just just to stay where you are for a moment. Because I believe that God is going to speak to some hearts in this room here today. And I believe He's going to use these two thoughts that he laid on my heart to share. I share him with a sensitivity, but I believe I'm going to share him with a love that he's going to see people set free. Because the third point is this, is attitude. But I'm not talking about our attitude towards others. I'm talking about our attitude when we look in the mirror, what do we see? In early August 2018, 
Pastor Andrew Stockline preached his Sunday morning message in front of his congregation. He had done this for the last nine years. The very next day, he tragically took his own life. Twelve months later, nearly to the day, Pastor Jared Wilson posted a text on his social media pages that said this, said, loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression or cure PTSD. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure anxiety. But that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't offer us companionship and comfort. He's always done that and he always will. Sadly, that would be the last post that Jared would ever post. We are living in a time when it seems that so many more people, Christians included, are going through seasons of feeling discouragement and feeling that they are unloved. And podcasts and well-meaning books will say that the cure to a poor self-image is to learn to love yourself. And with good intention, they'll even pull out scripture like Mark 12, 30 that says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And there is nothing wrong with this scripture in context of what it is. But it is incredibly difficult for people to contemplate loving your neighbors when you can't even tolerate looking in the mirror yourself and I'm not making light of this in fact I am committed both personally and as a church leader to speak into this because I believe that this is one of the greatest keys to loving one another is the acceptance of loving ourselves 1 John 3 says this, Whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is so much greater and so much more merciful than our conscience. And He knows everything there is to know about us. So these are His commands that we place, continually place our trust in the name of of His Son, Jesus Christ, and that we keep loving one another just as He's commanded us. Verse 24, I love this. It says, For all who obey His commands find their lives joined in union with Him, and He lives and He flourishes in them. Let me say that again. He lives and He flourishes in them. We know and we have proof that He constantly lives and flourishes in us by the Spirit that He's given us. God created the world and everything in His infinite design. God, the perfecter of everything, created us in His image. The Scriptures are so clear with that. Every little detail was to perfection. At the end of it, He stopped and He paused and reflected and said, that was very good. And when he did this, he effectively placed a seal of approval on your life. When he, he looked down and he saw his creation, you as part of his creation, his masterpiece, he put this seal of approval on you. But our greatest challenge is that the devil wants to mess with your attitude. The devil wants to mess with the way that you view yourself. 
And so what the devil will do is that he will bring up your past, your brokenness. He'll bring up the fact that you were unloved. He'll bring up the fact of your failures, as this scripture said. He'll bring up all of these things. Let me tell you, God's love is greater than your consciousness. Why? Because God created your consciousness. So if God created your consciousness, He created in His own image, He created in perfection, He created it greater than what the devil can do. The greatest gift of love that we can often give others is to simply love yourself as Christ loves you. I'll get the rest of the guys up. Because my fourth point and final point is this. Acceptance. Acceptance. Let me read you this scripture from 1 John chapter 4. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verse 9, it says, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we may have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away those sins, to take away that brokenness, to take away those things. You see, the thing is, we read this of just what we've done, but many of us have had brokenness placed upon us. Many of us have had sin placed upon us. When I say that, is that we've been in situations whereby we could sit there and say, well, I wasn't loved. I wasn't cared for. Nobody cared for me. Nobody loved me. It says here clearly that, that God sent His Son Why? Because He loved us so much, He wanted to take this away from us. It says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and His love is brought to its fullest expression. I love that part. You see, we can't see God. We, we challenge for all of the, the atheists or the unbelievers in the room, well, we can't see God. Yeah, but he, we can see the love of God in us on others. And that's why this scripture is so powerful because it says you need to love one another as I have loved this. Why? Because by this, it'll prove that you are my disciples. Because people will go, well, I can't see what God is doing. I can't see that God loves our world when it's broken in this. But when we love others, God, people can see that love through us. Verse 20. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we can't see. And he's given this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. It's not just an idea. When Jesus came and he said this scripture, it wasn't just an idea. He didn't just say, hey, I'm giving you a new idea that I think would be really good for our society out there. I think think the world's going to have a few challenges out there. So I'm going to give you this idea that I think might just work. 
doesn't. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, a direction. This is what you need to do, guys. Why? Because I know it works. Why? Because I know that when you love others, they will see my love to you. Love each other just as I have loved you. But then he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't just say it's this open statement of love each other. You know, love you. It's great. It's awesome. Love you. Have a great day. He doesn't say that. He says your love for one another will what? Will prove to the world. Who's tired of looking at fake news, of opinions, of thought? I want the truth that comes from this, that says His love will prove to the world that you are my disciples. To love is both a choice and an action. And God loved you and I so much that He chose to send His Son as an atoning sacrifice to cover over our bad choices. The simple reality is that you can't outlove God. You can't. And the other thing is this, is that God loves the very worst of humanity. If you think you're so broken and unloved that you can't be loved, can I tell you that God loves you? I actually think He has an extra portion for you. Because when He sent His Son to die on the cross, He didn't just say, I'm doing it for those guys who who gave it a crack and they normally got it right. He said, I am doing this for humanity. For all who come to me will be set free. So whether you've been in church for 40 years and you know you kind of get a few things wrong, like you, you know, you didn't pay full price for a coffee or something like this, or whether you feel that you are the very worst of humanity, can I tell you that God loves you? And what God wants you to do is to show that love to others. And you think to yourself, you know what? They know me as a bad person. I can't love others. The scriptures talked about that. When people saw Saul on the road to Damascus, Ananias said, man, don't ask me. This dude is the the worst dude. This dude is the one who is sending Christians to death. This is the one we don't want to be associated with. Don't send me to be speaking over him. But he was obedient. Why? Because he wanted to show the love of God that was in him to a guy who had just given his life to Christ. So if it can happen to him, it can happen to us. God loves us so much that He gave us a choice to love Him back. We can choose not to love Him. We can do life. We can choose not to love Him. We can get to the end of our days and we can look at our bank accounts and do these things. And We can choose not to love God. He gave us that choice. Do you know why He gave us that choice? Because He loves us so much. He didn't create us to be a robot where we're born on a certain day, we have a certain amount of breath and we die and everyone says that was great. He loves us so much that He gave us the ability to make a choice to love Him. That is actually love. One of the last things that Jesus said to His followers was this. He said, I am always with you. Isn't that the ultimate love? When a friend's betrayed you, how many times we get it wrong Jesus I'm sorry and he says I'm with you I'm sorry Jesus I messed this one up 
Don't bother loving me, man. I keep messing it up. I keep, I keep getting it wrong. Jesus says, I'll be with you to the end. Why? Because I love you. I gave you the choice to love me. You're not too broken for me. But I'm going to ask you to do one thing. It's love others like I've loved you. Don't just hide it in. The greatest mistake we can make as a church is to hide what we have in here from those out there. Is to sit there and think to ourselves, church is one hour on a Sunday morning. Because when we're doing that, we're cutting off the tap of saying, we love those on the outside. Don't you desire? I desire every chair to be filled in here, not because I care to have a number and say, hey, look what we get to preach in front of. Why? Because I know that that means the people on the outside are feeling the love that's on the inside. I want us to be people that love on so much on the outside that there is a FOMO going of, I just need to be in church. Not like my mate who walked away. Because we need to speak life. We need to look ourselves in the mirror and say, do you know what? You loved me. And we need to accept that Christ died on the cross for us. For the person, I can't even see past the third row, but for the person sitting there who sat in the chairs here for the last 20 years, God loved you so much, he did it for you. The person who's walked in the door thinking, man, I'm so broken, just, just let me out of here. I just need to get to the Farmer's Gate market or I need to get out of here because I'm telling you, if, if something's happening in your mind today, if, if there's something happening in your heart today, I'm telling you, that's Jesus speaking into your life right now. He's saying to you, you're not too broken. And he says, I will be with you to the very end. That is powerful. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to stand. So stand first and then close your eyes because I don't want you to fall over. Just where you are, stand. You can stay seated if you want to. It's okay. just want you to close your eyes. Because I believe that there are some here today where God has been speaking to you. And maybe you've received before, maybe you've received that love of God in your life. Put it this way. Maybe you've received the fact that God lives in your life, but you haven't received the love of God on your life. I'm going to pray a prayer. And as I do, I'm going to ask you just where you are, if you want to, just be able to pray it with me. Then we're going to close this with a bridge of worship. And then what I'm going to do is that I'm going to ask you to just catch up with us and just share what's on your heart. Because I want you to be able to go from here, receiving the love, receiving the word. This is just me standing up there. I'm nothing special with this. It's just 20 minutes of words that I believe God has anointed with me to give out to you in order that you can be conduits to the rest of the world. Just as your eyes are closed, I'm just going to pray this over and for you. It says, God, I surrender to you today and place my faith in your Son, Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Saviour. I am sorry for my rebellious ways. I'm sorry for getting it wrong. 
I'm sorry for my selfish choices. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from every wrong. I turn away from sin and I turn to you, God. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior and as my provider. I believe that he lived, he died, and he rose again so that I could have the gift of eternity with you. I choose to love you because you first loved me. Thank you. And amen. Amen. I'm going to ask that maybe today that something was the worship. It was the welcome and the front door on the way in. But God's been speaking to you today. Just as we sing this bridge, the words that I've asked the the team to do, it says nothing, nothing comes closer to the Lord Almighty. I can tell you, I've seen a lot of this world in different places that you would never dream of. Nothing comes closer to the Lord God Almighty. Nothing is as sweet as His love and mercy. What does it say? His love and mercy. His love and mercy. Keep saying it over in your minds. Nothing is as sweet in this world as His love and mercy. You may think that there's other things out there. I'm telling you, there is nothing as sweet as His love and mercy. Thanks for joining us today at C3 Hobart Online. If you were impacted by this message or you'd like to know a bit more about our church and what we do, you can get in touch with us via our website, c3hobart.org.au. See you next time.